All right. Good morning. We are going to continue on in Genesis. We're going to do some skipping of stuff because we can't. We just we got to make it through. Um, but today we're gonna we're gonna talk about we're gonna get into Jacob. We're gonna talk about this stairway to heaven thing. Um, that's ultimately where we're gonna end, where we're gonna go. And uh, it wasn't a ladder, so it's gonna blow our Sunday school socks off. Um, but we're gonna continue on with Abraham and Isaac's story first before we get to Jacob. Isaac, he doesn't have a whole lot in Genesis when you compare. Uh, what the Bible has for Abraham and what the Bible has for uh, Jacob. Um, so we left off with Abraham, with the, the sacrifice test, with Isaac. And then after that, we briefly discussed Abraham just a little bit. Abraham, Sarah dies. Um, Abraham does take additional wives and has additional kids. A lot of people don't realize that Abraham had another six kids after after Isaac and Ishmael. Um, but he did, and Abraham secures the cave of Machpelah, uh, which is near Mamre, where they spent their early lives together for burial. That becomes the cave of the cave of the cave of the forefathers, or whatever. That sometimes you can take tours in Israel out to see, and that's where they're going to continue to bury the immediate families of Abraham, um, those patriarchs. And so, um, before. After Sarah dies, Abraham is looking at the future. He's looking at God's promise for him. He still fully believes in what Yahweh has in store for him and his family. And he is very concerned. He does not want Isaac to get a Canaanite wife. And so um, Abraham makes a covenant with one of his servants and says, you have to go do this for me. I need you to go and find me a wife for Rebecca. And uh, cannot be a Canaanite or a wife for Isaac, it's going to be Rebecca, and you can't, we're not doing the, Can- the Canaanite wife thing. This is not going to work. Um, so you're going to have to go back to like where I'm from in Haran and deal with my family. And so, so that's what he does. And so the servant goes and uh, coincidental stuff and there's God moments and he finds Rebecca at the wells and he brings Rebecca back. She agrees to go back right away. Uh, she gets in. Nice little scene about, says Isaac is off, he's off in the wilderness and he's in a place of meditation, it says. And I think what the meditation was at that point, I think he was spending time with God. So already, and, and what we know from Isaac is that he is, he is used to spending time with Yahweh. And so he's out in the desert somewhere spending time with Yahweh and he looks from afar and he sees the caravan coming in and he goes and lo and behold, there is his wife. And they supposedly instantly fall in love because they end up in a tent and they consummate their marriage right there. And we have the beginning of their relationship. And um, they're married. I think Abraham has a deep sigh of relief. And then Abraham expires and he is gone. And they bury Abraham with Sarah in that cave that he secured before. Um, What the Bible says of Isaac is pretty good guy. And... uh, just seems good. He does one thing that the Bible tells us about that we're like, oh, what's going on? He lies to the king, uh, Amibelech again, about the fact that his wife is his sister. And in this case, his wife is not even a half-sister. So, I don't know. Abraham taught him a lot of things, and one of the things he must have told him, taught him about was lying about your wife. Right. But 
So that's his one downside you see with Isaac as we go on. And uh, that's about it. The Bible pretty much, we're going to fast forward to the birth. Right after this, this incident where he lies to Abimelech again. Um, of course, it was safety and trust issues and all that stuff again. We get into Genesis 25. And so Genesis 25 will get us started on Jacob. And Jacob is important because Jacob, you'd think that God in this rescue plan, this would have been sped up a little bit more. Um, Abraham has Isaac, and then Isaac is only going to have two kids. And you're kind of like, aren't, aren't you guys supposed to be like your own thing, your own nation? Let's, can't we hurry this up a little bit? And uh, But here we are, Genesis 25, 19. These are the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham fathered Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean of Padamaram, and the sister of Laban, the Aramean, to be his wife. And Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord granted his prayer, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. So right away we have this whole theme still of God is the one that's going to provide you with the child. Rebekah was barren. Um, Yahweh has to step in to take care of that barren problem. And so again, this future generation of the story is going to be Yahweh coming through and working that miracle in the womb again. And Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren, and the Lord granted his prayer, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. The children struggled together within her, and she said, if, if it is thus, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said to her, so we're going to stop right there, Rebecca has a relationship with Yahweh. Rebecca is at this point where she can just go and she can ask of Yahweh questions and what she wants and her desires. So that's good to see. We kind of see Isaac and Rebecca, it seems like they're living it right. They're living it right in their covenant with Yahweh, and uh, things are good. And the Lord says to her when she goes to inquire, two nations are in your womb, and two people from within you shall be divided, and one shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. And so she's left to, to speculate that. That kind of sounds like conflict with her kids. It's also like a giant gender birth reveal because at this point, you know, they don't have a sonogram or anything like that. They're not checking that stuff out. So now she knows she's going to have multiple kids. She just found out she's going to have multiple kids. They're both boys. And uh, there's going to be some infighting among the boys. And when her days to give birth were completed, behold, there were twins in her womb. The first came out all red, all his body like a hairy cloak. And so they named him Esau. Afterwards, his brother came out with his hand holding Esau's heel. So his name was called Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore him. And Jacob means cheater or deceiver. So what a name to be born with. That's fun. And so we're going to see that play out. Esau, going to be a, there's going to be a, uh, a nation that comes out of Esau, and their name is Edom, which actually means red. A lot of people aren't sure completely what the red is. Um, they're not sure if it was red hair or if the red was separate from the hairy cloak that he was born with. He is a hairy, manly man from the womb. Um, when the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful hunter, still following that theme of Esau being that kind of guy, a man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man dwelling in tents. Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Once when Jacob was cooking stew, so here we are, they're born. The, the Genesis scroll takes like two lines, and now all of a sudden they're grown up. 
This isn't like a boy is hanging around, they're already grown up. And uh, that's interesting too, because in, in Sunday school, sometimes you get this idea that they're young boys, that Jacob and Esau are like young boys, and they're coming in, and this whole thing happens when they're kids. Um, but it appears to be that this is further along, and they're adults when they're making these decisions, which changes kind of how you view them. Um, once when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field, and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stew, for I'm exhausted. There, we're bringing that red up again. Therefore, his name is called Edom. Uh, haven't really dug into the red. I don't really know. Um, and Jacob said, sell me your birthright now. And Esau said, I am about to die. Of what use is a birthright to me? And Jacob said, swear to me now. So he swore to him and he sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew and he ate and drank and rose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. A couple things to note on this. So outside of the the Genesis scroll, you can get into Jewish traditions. So these are extra biblical. You don't have to adhere to these. The story behind this is the idea, do you remember back with the Tower of Babel, we were talking about this Nimrod guy? So we're going to bring Nimrod back into this, because in the Jewish traditions, Nimrod is still out doing his evil Nimrod stuff. And uh, so Nimrod's out, Esau's a skillful hunter, and... uh, Esau, supposedly in their traditions, Esau was out hunting and he was actually hunting down Nimrod to take Nimrod out for all that Nimrod was doing in the lands. Remember, Nimrod was the Tower of Babel guy for the beginning of the Tower of Babel and he's still existing. Possibly one of those Nephilim mighty men, those half-breeds with spiritual beings. So Nimrod's out and the story is Nimrod's out and he does the same thing with his men, his two generals, as he goes through. He's got a routine that he does. And uh, Jacob hides, or Esau hides, and Esau's hiding out, and he stalks him down and kills him. And Esau is fleeing then from the nations, from the city-states that are coming after him that Nimrod was leading. And so they, the, the traditions are, that's the setting for Esau busting into the tent. Now, they're traditions. We don't know if they're true. It could just be extra stories to flavor it up. But that's the idea of Esau's state when he gets into the tent. Sometimes when we go through this story, uh, we're taught that Esau just comes in and basically Esau's just hangry. He just needs that to eat. And that's why he's making these rash decisions. Um, And he's just being very um, dramatic, talking about, well, I'm going to die. So what's my birthright? There's a good chance he thought he was going to die. If the stories are correct, He's fleeing from his, his, for his life, and uh, he's running away from multiple uh, Sumerian, definitely Mesopotamian city-states, and he's got people after him. And so he's coming in, he is literally exhausted, probably thinks he's going to die, and he makes that decision based off of that. So he's, making, he's still making that anxiety-based decision. And I think right here... Um, is just a good example of why we need to be careful making decisions when we are tired, when we are anxious. Um, we make rushed, rushed decisions, and it, it comes back to bite us. And they even use this. So the writer of Hebrews, in Hebrews 12, Hebrews 12 is approaching the whole idea of just feeling beaten down and tired, and you're feeling pressed and just starting with Hebrews 12, 12, they're going to bring up Esau as an example of this and, and what believers are not supposed to do. 
And so therefore lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no roots of bitterness spring up and cause trouble, and by it many become defiled, and that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterwards, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. So earlier in Hebrews 12, they're talking about being tired and run down. And here they're talking about how are you supposed to be in those times of feeling that? And, and you can see that they're, they're alluding to when you're tired, roots of bitterness come in, destroys your relationships with other people, um, that it talks automatically being weak to sexual immorality, unholy like Esau. The idea is that we all have our birthright, once we're saved, we have that birthright. And they're saying, don't give up that birthright in those moments of weakness. Don't give up that birthright when you're tired. Don't make those uh, rash decisions when you feel pressed. And I think that's, that's kind of the lesson of Esau. Whoever the author of Hebrews is, I tend to believe it was probably Paul. But whoever the author of Hebrews is, that's, that's where he's at with it. So think about that. When life has got you down and got you anxious and you're all worried about stuff, don't make those decisions in those times. Find that place of peace. Um, Could come back to bite you later if you don't. And so we're going to skip forward a little bit. Um, Jacob has stolen the birthrights. And that's just kind of how the Bible leaves it. You just have the story and then it's left. Um, And then we get to the point where Isaac is a little bit older. Isaac was old and his eyes were dim. That's alluding to the fact that he's close to death. Um, And so that he could not see. He called Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son, and he answered, Here I am. He said, Behold, I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now then, take your weapons, your quiver and your bow. Go out to the field and hunt game for me and prepare for me delicious food such as I love. And bring it to me so that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. And now Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to his son Esau. And so when Esau went to the field to hunt for game and bring it, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau, bring me game and prepare for me delicious food that I may eat it and bless you before the Lord before I die. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice as I command you, go to the flock and bring me two good young goats so that I may prepare for them delicious food for your father from them. Such as he loves. I'm going to stop here real quick because sometimes when we get into this story, when we're teaching it to kids, there is this idea that it's a completely manipulative, conniving thing and that Jacob is hardcore into this. At this point, Jacob's going with it, it looks like, because his mom wants him to. However, why do you think his mom is so pertinent on making this happen right now based on what we read earlier? What did she receive from Yahweh? She received a prophecy saying, this is how it's going to be. The older is going to serve the younger. And so for me, when I come to this, I have to, I have to speculate on some things. It seems like Rebecca and Isaac both have great relationships with Yahweh. It seems like Rebecca and Isaac have decent relationships with themselves. At this point, we don't even hear of Isaac having any other wives like people of the time did. So I think that this is, a, this is like, I think this is a legit couple. 
And I think that they're probably talking about this. And I have a feeling that Rebecca, in the 30, 40 years, at least since this has passed, is probably talking to her husband about this prophecy that she received from Yahweh. And so I, I come at this a little bit differently now the more that I read it. And I don't know how much. It's, it's definitely there's some deception in this. But I don't think that I can just, Rebecca loved this one, Isaac loved this one, and they're going to fight for the, the, the child that they love. I, I, there's a good chance Rebecca thought that she was doing what she needed to do based on what she received from Yahweh. And so I'm a, little, I'm a little easier on Rebecca the more that I read this. You're going to bring it to your father so, to eat so that he may bless you before he dies. But Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, Behold, my brother Esau is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. Perhaps my father will feel me, and I shall seem to be mocking him and bring a curse upon myself and not a blessing. His mother said to him, Let your curse be on me, my son. Now obey my voice and go. Bring them to me. Rebekah is serious about this. Remember, there is serious consequences to curses and blessings in the covenants of this time. And Rebekah is serious about this. Um, and I think that that shows that she feels she's in the right. She's willing to accept that curse if that happens because she feels that she's in the right with us. And so he went and he took them and he brought the goats to his mother. And his mother prepared delicious foods such as his father loved. And then Rebekah took the best garments of Esau, her, oldest, her older son, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. And the skins of the young goat she put on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. And when she put the delicious food in the bread... Um, which she had prepared into the hand of her son, Jacob. And so he went into his father and said, my father. And he said, here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I've done as you told me. Now sit up and eat of my game that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, how is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? And he answered, because the Lord, your God granted me success. Then Isaac said to Jacob, please come near, near me, that I may feel you, my son, to know whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, who felt him and said, the voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. And he said, are you really my son Esau? And he answered, I am. Then he said, bring it nearer to me that I may eat of my son's game and bless you. So he brought it near to him and he ate and he brought him wine and he drank. And then his father, Isaac, said to him, come near and kiss me, my son. And when he came near and kissed him, and Isaac smelled the smell of his garments and blessed him and said, see, the smell of my son is as of the smell of the field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you of the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers, and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be everyone who blesses you. As soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, when Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of his father Isaac, Esau's brother came in from his hunting. He also prepared delicious food and brought it to his father. And he said to his father, Let my father arise and eat of his son's game, that you may bless me. His father, Isaac, said to him, Who are you? And he answered, I am your son, your firstborn, Esau. And Isaac trembled very violently and said, Who was it then that, the hunted, that hunted game and brought it to me? And I ate it all before you came, and I have blessed him. Yes, and he shall be blessed. As soon as Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out, 
cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. But he said, Your brother came deceitfully, and he has taken away your blessing. Esau says, Is it not right is he not rightly named Jacob, which means deceiver? For he has cheated me these two times. He took away my birthright, and behold, now he has taken away my blessing. Then he said, Have you not reserved a blessing for me? And Isaac answered and said to Esau, Behold, I have made him lord over you, and all his brothers I have given to him for servants. So he might be having more brothers at this point. And with grain and wine I have sustained him. What then can I do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, Have you but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Then Isaac his father answered and said to him, Behold, away from the fatness of the earth shall your dwelling be, and away from the dew of heaven on high. By your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother. But when you grow reckless, you shall break his yoke from your neck. Now Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, The days of mourning for my father are approaching. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. But the words of Esau, her older son, were told to Rebekah. So she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, Behold, your brother Esau comforts himself about you by planning to kill you. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise, flee to Laban, my brother, in Haran, and stay with him for a while until your brother's fury turns away, until your brother's anger turns away from you, and he forgets what you have done to him. Then I will send and bring you from there. Why should I be bereft of both you in one day? Then Rebekah said to Isaac, I loathe my wife. This is like an attachment on. I loathe my wife because of the Hittite women. If Jacob marries one of those Hittite women like these, one of the women of the land, what good will my life be to me? So at this point, Esau has already taken two wives. And they're both Canaanite Hittite women. Um, then Isaac called Jacob, this is immediately after that, and blessed him and directed him, you must not take a wife from a Canaanite woman. Arise, go to Padam Aram, to the house of Bethuel, your, mother, your mother's father, and take as your wife from there one of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful, fruitful and multiply you, that you may become a company of peoples. May he give the blessing of Abraham to you and to your offspring with you, that you may take possessions of the land of your sojournings that God gave to Abraham. Thus Isaac sent Jacob away, and he went to Padam Aram to Laban, the son of Bethuel the Aramean, the brother of Rebekah, Jacob and Esau's mother. All right, so that whole blessing thing happens. This is post-birthright stealing too. So now Jacob has this. Um, Esau's already done the Canaanite women thing, which Isaac wasn't happy about. Um, and so Isaac is sending him to find someone who is not of those people. You got to remember that the Canaanites were the sons of Canaan, who was the son of Ham, going back to Tower of Babel, and, and Noah's kids. That line from the start, people weren't supposed to mess with that line. And so Abraham's family is following with the commands, you're not supposed to be messing with that line. You shouldn't be mixing with those people. Um, those are the ones that went up. It's also where we get Nimrod is from with those people. Um, and so the Canaanite issue is already here. The stuff that's already bubbling in the Canaanites and Hittites and Amalekites, all those ites, uh, all that stuff is happening. Your pagan worship. Um, you also have, that's where the, the Nephilim and Joshua are going to be when you get back to those strange people, those hybrid things that live up in there. That's where they're going to be intermixed with the Canaanites. Um, 
What's interesting is, is Esau, in extra-biblical texts, takes care of Nimrod, who's one of those weird things. And then also in biblical texts, you'll find out that Esau and Edom, they'll actually go up and they're going to take care of a lot of these tribes that are in Canaan before Joshua even gets there. And so as you, as you read through it, Esau still has a job to play, still furthering stuff for Yahweh. But Esau will always be at tension with his brother, just like it says. And then in the time of David, um, Edom finally breaks away, just like the, the, the prophecy in Genesis. Edom actually breaks away while, while David is ruling. And so, so all that comes to pass. And we're still not done with Esau. We'll get back into Esau here in a bit. But um, everything plays out just like, it, just like God said. And so Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Padamaram to take a wife from, her, from there. And that as he blessed him, he directed him, you must not take a wife from the Canaanite women. And that Jacob had obeyed his father and his mother and gone to Padamaram. So when Esau saw that the Canaanite women did not please Isaac, his father, Esau went to Ishmael and took as his wife, besides the wives he had, Mahalalah, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Nebaioth. So Esau wants to get on the good side of Isaac again with that. Esau's doing that. And Jacob left Beersheba and went towards Haran. And he came to a certain place and he stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head, and he lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, there was a stairway set up on the earth, and and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on the stairway. And behold, Yahweh stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and in your offspring, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. So there's a Jacob's ladder thing. You look into the word for it. And it's actually Salam. And uh, it's the only time in the Hebrew Bible that this word is there. And so people debate what that is. They've taken different cognates and kind of looked at it to see, and they've kind of came up with stairway. At least there's a staircase involved. Um, so that's kind of where it's at with that. It was never really, ladder was just a horrible translation. It's probably a translation from a translation from a translation. Like, like the King James Bible is based off of like the Vulgate, the Latin translation. It's not going back. So like you're going to get weird. You're going to get some stuff. Um, so God shows up, Yahweh shows up directly. He's at the top of this staircase, angels up and down the staircase. Something has happened there. Don't know what it is. He's seeing this in a dream, spiritual, um, they just always draw it. Got Yahweh at the opening, the top angels are coming up and down. I think, um, when I read this and then what we're going to read further, I think what he actually saw was something that had a staircase, but was more than a staircase. We'll talk about that. And when Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. There is, this is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven or the gate of God. Do you guys remember what the gate of God was in the past that we talked about? 
What was, what word, what city name is the city name gate of God? Do you remember? Babylon. Babylon means gate of God, gate of the gods, gate of heaven. Um, and I think, I think that what he saw was something more like this. I think that's probably what he witnessed in his dream. I think he was seeing a ziggurat. Um, that would make sense with the Babylonian connotations being brought into the gate of God, this whole idea. Remember the Tower of Babel was most likely a giant ziggurat. It's humans trying to recreate the mountain garden of God where they can meet with Yahweh at the top, bring back that Garden of Eden image. Um, it's kind of what I think it was. I don't think it was a ladder. I think it was probably something very similar to that based on the fact that Jacob is saying this. The other thing that we need to notice this from this is it, it doesn't seem that Jacob has a great understanding, or at least I shouldn't say understanding. He was probably taught his relationship with Yahweh seems to be low at this point. Um, and here is Yahweh inserting himself to get this relationship going, and we'll see this. Because immediately after Yahweh gives him this whole thing about generations and nations again, we're going to see what Jacob takes it as. Like, this is what I need from you. So early in the morning, Jacob took, his, took the stone that he had put under his head, and he set it up for a pillar, and he poured oil on top of it. He called the name of the place Bethel, which means house of God. But the name of the city was Luz at first. Then Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me and keep me in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear, so that I may come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone, which I have set up for a pillar, shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give a full tenth to you. God just promised him generations and nations that are going to change the world. And Jacob is at a point in his relationship with God where he just wants clothes and food. I think that's the idea here. So we're seeing, this is the start of Jacob's transformation. He is by nature a deceiver. And I think this is the start where he starts that relationship with Yahweh. And um, we're going to continue on with Jacob in a, in a bit. But... Um, to go from this story, you can refer back to the Mother's Day sermon because the Mother's Day sermon focused on Leah. And so that will get you Jacob's adventures and having to, he ends up with his multiple wives when he didn't want multiple wives and fleeing with his kids. And so we'll pick up with that later. But um, it's a jump. That's our jump from Abraham to Jacob. And from Jacob, we'll actually get our 12 tribes of Israel. And uh, he'll get his name change. He needs a name change, right? Because he wants to go through life as deceiver. Um, and so we'll get into that. But I just, it's one of those things that's, it's, we're still seeing this plan play out. And we're still seeing the human elements and Yahweh working within that human elements. And we kind of get the idea that the patriarch, the, the patriarchs of the, the Jews were these tremendous men of faith, and, and they were, but they're, they're just like us. They've just got all these things going on. And uh, so, yeah, that's our takeaway again. It's just, it's, here's God's plan playing out with normal people. Um, don't make anxious, anxious, hungry decisions. That's our other thing. And we'll see that God works everything back in. Jacob and Esau, they'll get their resolution um, Esau, it looks like Esau has a heart to do the right thing. And uh, yeah, 
We'll just kind of see how the brothers play out, and then we'll get into Joseph, and we'll finally get into Egypt. Um, so yeah, so that would just be the takeaway today again, is just God is working with everybody. And in, in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, they were working it the correct way, and then it, it broke down. And uh, But it's still his intention to work with us. And we just need to keep that in mind when we deal with other people, when we look at our heart, when we try to evaluate what we do. Um, just keep that in mind. We may not have liked even hanging out with Jacob, and that's who God was working with. And it's just how it is sometimes. So let's go ahead and pray. And so, Lord, I just pray for any anxiety right now in people's lives. Um, Lord, I just ask that you would be with us and help us to not pull an Esau, that when we are filled with anxiety and worry and that we would not, would not rush to make uh, decisions that may not be from you. And uh, Lord, we know you, you do in those times when we do make those mistakes. You work everything to good, and we see that right here in this chapter. And Lord, we, we just ask, though, that you would, you would help us with our decision-making process. Lord, I just ask that you would help us with any anxiety issues in our life. Um, Lord, we know that you are the God of peace. We know that time with you can bring peace. And so we just need to cultivate that relationship with you, that time spent with you. And uh, that we can be in those moments like Isaac, where we're just in a place of, of spending time with you. And while we're spending time with you, uh, something major just enters in to change our life for the better. And Lord, that, that we can just be found in those places. And so I just ask that you'd be with us as we go through our week. I just ask that you would, you would bless Bless our relationships, the people that we're, the people that we're pouring into, Lord. And I just, I just ask that you would help us to see people like you see people. Lord, we love you. We thank you for all that you do. I just ask blessings throughout this week. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.